Your Xfinity Home security system can't walk the dog, but it can tell you what he does while you're not around. And it can't stop your kids from sneaking out either. But it can let you choose what real-time security alerts you receive. So you're always in control. No matter what you're doing around the house, Xfinity Home can help with a new way to customize your home security. And it was named the best professionally installed home security system by CNET. Click, call 1-800-XFINITY or demo in your local Xfinity store today. Xfinity Home. Simple. Easy. Awesome. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's a happy day. It's a happy day for me because I feel like those of us that are still wrestling fans won. The wrestling fans that enjoy wrestling, we won. If you don't know what's going on with me, then obviously you don't read my social media posts, you don't follow me on Facebook, not Sam, and you don't listen to the announcements that I make on my SiriusXM radio show, Jim Norton and Sam Roberts. Well, if you don't do either of those two things, if your exposure to the Sam Roberts world is strictly via this podcast, then don't worry. We'll get into my announcement, but it's just one of the things that we're going to cover on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast today, or tonight. Or this afternoon. I don't know when you're listening. That's the beauty of a podcast. Um, But we're going to cover that after our interview. We've got that announcement. We've got the state of wrestling with a whole bunch of stuff to go over. Uh, Raw, SmackDown, everything. Roadblock on Sunday. But first, interview time. And I'm excited about this week's interview. um, Because I felt like a year or so ago, in 2015... I spent a lot of time interviewing and covering the stuff that was going on at NXT alongside Katie Linendahl, of course, Um, who a lot of you are asking why she hasn't been on the podcast. Katie Linendahl is a very busy lady. She's a very busy lady. She'll be back eventually, but don't worry. Um, But I bring that up to say that most of the people that we covered, most of the people that were on this podcast as NXT superstars have gone on to do pretty well on the main roster. And I always like checking back in with people. For instance, a month or so ago when we had Sasha Banks on the show. And it was the first sort of uh, long interview that I had done with Sasha Banks since talking to her as I think the NXT Women's Champion, if I'm not mistaken. This week, uh, it's the same thing. Because this week, I got to catch back up with Enzo Amore. Of course, uh, I've had Enzo and Big Cast together on the podcast before. Uh, I talked to them uh, while NXT was on their very first road trip in Philadelphia. I mean, and, and, and it was just a whole, it was a lot going on then, and there's a lot going on now. I talked to Enzo this weekend over at the Westchester County Center where WWE was doing a live event. Uh, and so you'll hear at the time of this interview, we didn't officially know that Big Cass and Rusev were going to be going one-on-one. By the way, and I'll talk about going to the live event at the Westchester County Center over the weekend, because even though he wasn't on Raw, Enzo did wrestle, but they're still going forward with the injury. They're not forgetting about the storylines that we see on Monday Night Raw, because Enzo came out, his head was wrapped up in gauze, his ribs were wrapped up in gauze, I think he had a thing on his elbow. It looked like 
a giant Bulgarian man had just kicked the crap out of him in a hotel room. So, not entirely untrue. Uh, but we got to uh, talk about sneakers. We got to talk about, to me, I felt like this week is a great time to talk to Enzo because Enzo is on the forefront of a new way of storytelling on Raw. You know, the Raw is much more about the soap opera stuff now. And we talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, and I'll talk about that again after the interview. But Enzo is at the forefront of that. So I talked to Enzo about his angle with Lana. I talked to Enzo about his injury. I talked to Enzo about sneakers. And we did it all backstage at the Westchester County Center over the weekend. Here it is, Enzo Amore, this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. Well, here we are in White Plains, New York. Yeah. And look who's back. Enzo is back. It's been a while. Back in a building, bro. I don't Bada think, boom, guy in the room. I don't think we've spoken since the NXT Philly, days. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, man. Philly, NXT first uh, hit the road traveling, and, and we uh, came up to Philly. Me and Big Cass came and sat down with you and Katie. Yeah. And uh, we had a good talk that day. What's the upkeep like, man? Because like, we were just talking about shoes before we started, but in the NXT days, it was like, I guess you might have to bring like a whole bunch of different pairs of shoes for a TV taping, but like... Now you're in the ring, whatever, five nights a week, every single week. And people, you, you've set yourself up to have this expectation that you're going to have some kind of hotness every single time you go out there. Yeah. So you just have to keep maintaining, maintaining, maintaining. So I live currently in three different locations. Mm -hmm. So life is not easy, as Joe <laughs> could tell you. You know, when we got interviews going on, you know, are you on the West Coast or are you on the East Coast? But, uh, so, for me, I keep a stash in all three locations, uh, <laughs> you know, but I only wear Jordans once in the ring, and I never wear them again. That's it. That's it. So, I want it done every pair. So, uh, luckily, uh, you know, I, I uh, did a deal with Champ Sports. Right. They provide me with new heat every week on Monday night, uh, and I reveal that shoe on the Monday Night Sneaker Watch on Champ Sports Snapchat. Um, you know, you get a taste of that on my Instagram here and there too, but, uh, definitely tune in on Monday night sneaker watches. Uh, if you want to see what I'm wearing before I actually, uh, hit the TV screen, I'll, I'll reveal it. But, um, what do you do with them after you give them, well, you got to give them back. Luckily my little brother is the same size foot as me, man. So <laughs> he just kid, gets them all. That kid is sitting on a arsenal <laughs> of material right now, but, uh, me more or less, uh, you know, I, I get the Jays sometimes delivered to the arena. Yeah. Sometimes delivered to my address where I'm going to be. I usually get them a week, maybe two weeks ahead. So sometimes I'll travel with a pair, but I never travel with more than one pair that I've never worn on TV. So when I wrestle on, on, TV, on TV, I wear J's. When I wrestle on the house shows, a lot of the time you see different. Sometimes I'll wear J's. Sometimes I'll wear the KD Longhorn States just because they're leopard everywhere. Right. So I bought three pairs of those KD Longhorn States when they came out back when I was in NXT. Because those are the everyday shoes. Those are the, those are the you know, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right. You know, but pay-per-view, Monday Night Raw, I'm in a different pair every time. Right. Yeah, I have one pair of, of Jordans that the dog ate the back off of. Oh. So, like, those are the dog walking shoes now. Yeah, <laughs> those yeah, are the yeah, ones yeah, that we can man, walk bro. in the grass. Yeah, and, man, I have a, you know, shout out to Kilo, my dog, uh, all white German Shepherd out in uh, Florida. He's he's a beast, and he's definitely had a pair of Jordan or two in his bag. <laughs> definitely have. Yeah, because I guess you can't, like, especially now, it's not like a pair can come out 
and you can get them and be like, okay, next week I'm going to wear these on TV because by that time it's a week old. Well, the thing that I try to do more than anything that complicates matters is I usually try to color coordinate with the shoe that I'll be wearing on Monday. So you got to get new gear sometimes because you know the shoe's coming out. (laughs) You know, Lord knows I have probably more gear than anybody on the roster. Definitely. So, you know, I have gear that will match pretty much every pair of Jordan that's coming out. You know what I mean? (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I try to minimize new gear to pay-per-views and once in a while on raws and once i wear it on a pay-per-view i might wear it again but so when you're doing like a co-branded pay-per-view like when you're doing survivor series or something like that do you have to find out what shane's wearing to uh. coordinate the jordan <laughs> thing because the last thing you want to do is show up oh man you know what shane see i i try to stay away from what is he wearing 31s 32s uh 29s and 30s he wears which i never go above a and ones a, though he wears a lot of ones well, that's the thing i was just about to say I'll never wear a Jordan 1 on a pay-per-view with Shane unless <laughs> unless uh, we were in Brooklyn this past year. Yeah. And I wore the Derek Jeter Jordan 1. I saw ones, those, yeah. Which has always been a bucket list sneaker of mine nonetheless. So the fact that I got to wear it and with the pinstripe Yankee outfit, you know, Biggie on the back. It was all a dream written on the back. And yeah. We, you know, we shot a little ode to Biggie and Frank Sinatra and uh, – I think uh, maybe Billy Joel got some love. I don't remember, <laughs> bro, but it, it was fun. Is that is that a weird thing about being, like, a good guy right now? Because you're doing that in New York, and it's like, yeah, we're, we're – but then you go to Boston, and you're like, okay, how do we go to Boston and let the Boston fans know that we love Boston without the New I'll York fans? I'll tell you fans? how we go to Boston. We say, uh, Luke Gallows, you ain't nothing but a sloppy jalopy, and I'm going to tee off on your dome piece like I'm Big Poppy. Right. Oh! <laughs> Pretty sure that's what Cass said, but yeah, you know, give a a little tidbit on the and the. uh, We went to Boston for Hell in a Cell. Cass said that I'm pretty sure. I threw some Everlast uh, in there. Mm -hmm. Everlast, big Boston head. I think we threw some other, you know, cheap thrills in there. There's just enough little references. You know, some were subtle. Some you might not have picked up on. You know what I mean? Like I think uh, I'm gonna give you an everlasting beatdown. because I ain't got to jump around the fact, you know, th- right. there's only one word to describe you. Right, right. Just, uh, it's all about the 99% things. of the people probably didn't pick up on it, but it doesn't matter if they did or didn't because it all made sense. Right. And it's also just for the people. It's for that one guy that got it in the front row. It's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's what it was for. Yeah, man. That's what the whole thing It's like a rapper for. sometimes that you got to hit rewind when you listen to <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Like, what are you just? I'll sit there. Yeah. You listen to like rap music and you just mumble through that lyric that yeah. you didn't get in like two years later. It'll just hit you, and you'll be like, oh, my God. Yeah, man. Um, what, what was it like when you got the injury that you sustained that took you out for, like, you were off TV for about a month, right? Uh, it was three weeks. Three weeks. That was scary to watch. Three, two to three, maybe four. Uh, it was scary. When to- I came back, I wasn't initially wrestling right away. Right. Big Cass had a, you know, a couple matches on TV there before I got back in the ring, so I was not exactly back at full capacity, but, yeah. It was scary to watch. Was it, like – scary to live through or are you the type of guy that wakes up and it's like okay it's just funny when you're sitting at home on a monday and you know you're watching sports center on tuesday <laughs> and all of a sudden you see them showing your replay <laughs> you know so wwe you know monday night raw the network uh you know i i got the opportunity to see it a couple times to say the least right oh uh, yes yeah, it comes with territory bro you know yeah, you like, just... I mean, tough kid i played football growing up you know i've Put my head down a couple times. I know they teach you to hit differently these days. Right. There was one way about it back in the day. <laughs> Put your head down and run through them, you know. <laughs> so uh, I always kind of, uh, I guess, 
football, wrestling, life, I kind of just always have that mentality. Right? Just push through. Yeah, whatever. Just break Who through cares, the brick wall. I just, I'm really, really not trying to be stopped. And, you know, if you stop me, I'm probably going to get back up. So we're all right. So what, when, you're, when you're at home and you're watching Cass, and he's doing, he did really well for when he was by himself. <coughs> Are you sitting there on one end going like, yeah, I want to see my boy succeed, but on the other end be like, yo, like we're a oh, team. Never, never, never Not that. Never that. I'm hoping, you know, Big Cass gets a great singles run and vice versa. Right. And I think we pull for each other in that regard because if you remember back in the day when Michaels and, and Diesel were running hot as tag team champions and they had the IC title and the heavyweight championship. Right. You know what I mean? I couldn't necessarily not forecast seeing that in the future for me and Big Cass. You know right. what I mean? And it doesn't matter who's got what around their waist. I think we're always pulling for each other to succeed. We're homies, you know? You got to start doing that running high five deal. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> running head no, start. I don't, don't want to jock their style too much, you know what I mean? I look crazy enough as it is. Whose idea was it, or, or how did they come to you and be like, okay, this week we want you to be naked on Raw? Like, we're going to start this new thing, and, and you're going to do it naked. Uh, you know what? To be honest with you, uh, I was just walking around the hallways naked in a camera. Roll <laughs> um, you know, that's pretty much how that went down. You know what I mean? It's just Enzo being Enzo. As Cass said when he walked up, freaking Enzo was naked in the hallway. You know, so it's just, it's just a regular occurrence, bro. They just decided to put it on TV this that one week. Right? You know? They're like, we can work with this. Yeah. I love uh, I love that you're a part of this. It, it feels like they're injecting more soap opera e you know soap opera for guys stuff into raw and i feel like that's been missing a little bit from from wwe and that's that's i thought one of the things that always made it good are you enjoying that part of it like getting to yeah i think one of the uh you know the, the you could call us what you want but at the end of the day we're entertainers right and you could call it a wrestling show but at the end of the day it's a tv show so when you're making live TV, you know, there's no room for error. So you can't go out there and, and screw up, uh, you know, especially when, you know, for instance, a week ago, I'm on seven different segments running <laughs> around getting changed backstage and, you know, shooting live TV, live, you know, promos with Ric Flair. And yeah. Hotel beatdowns. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, I more than anything, I think I prided myself when it was all said and done in the uh, the faith the company had in me to, you know, carry that carry. I wouldn't call it carry because there was other people involved for sure that that without them, it wouldn't be possible. But right. at the same token, you know, to uh, to have seven segments on a television show where you have to stay tuned in to see what's going yeah. to happen next. And that used to be what what as you mentioned we grew up watching you know i grew up on the attitude era and a lot of that kept you tuned in because you didn't know what was going to happen next right and uh and i think it's not necessarily even just about like having to be risque about everything it, it's just that like storytelling yeah you know what i mean exactly. and the fact that i'm watching to find out exactly what's going on with this story and if rusev and enzo end up meeting in the ring i'm now fully invested in this entire backstory exactly so, you know, uh, I think you could probably see the end game here with, uh, you know, Rusev having to get in the ring with either, you know, I or Big Cass. And, uh, you know, with that being said, you know, that we, I got in the ring with Rusev once. The next time I got in the ring with him, he kicked me right in the, in, you know what? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Big Cass, if you've actually paid attention, hasn't touched Rusev yet. Hasn't right. been able to get his hands on him. Right. So, I think that provides for intrigue uh, leading into, you know, uh, a potential, you know, matchup between those two guys but more than anything you know i think that as you mentioned storytelling uh what we do in the ring is storytelling yeah you know and you know that full well as a fan uh who's watching for years 
that same storytelling that you could do in the ring, you could do out of the ring because we're on a TV show. Right. So to keep people tuned in on what's going on, a lot of the time, uh, great matchups in the ring. You know, you want to stay tuned because you want to see who's going to win that match or you want to see what's going to happen next or there's a storyline behind it. Same can go for backstage interviews and backstage, you know, segments. And uh, I think that uh, I challenge myself to be able to do those things on a regular basis, week to week. What the heck is Enzo going to get into? What did he do now? Is Big Cass going to have to bail him out or has he got this one on his own? Or right. is the little guy, you know, going to, you know, be put in a situation this week, whether it be in the ring or out of the ring. And, and that, to me, is the most fun of what we do. There was one little element of the way that was shown on Raw that I felt like I hadn't seen before. And it was like Cass standing in the ring and like the fact that Cass got it before anybody else did. You know what I mean? Like when he goes, wait a minute. And like the commentary team hasn't figured it out yet. And it's not like clearly spelled out, but he goes for the phone and then it goes to the hotel. And then everybody starts to go, oh no. And yeah. then you're the last one to find out. Yeah, I just thought it was that. Yeah, it was just told and, well. You know, and the, the thing about that was, is you know, when I'm in that hotel room, uh, I go in to see Lana. Have you ever seen the movie Pulp Fiction? Yeah, it's Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it's John Travolta walking up to his boss's door, talking himself out of it the entire time. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. But he's still gonna go in no matter what. Right. For me, in this scenario, uh, I was presented with a challenge that I never saw before. It was because they don't want you to be Enzo right now. Okay. Enzo would go in there. And start making certified D jokes. Right. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> the glory is mandatory, babe. You know, it's yeah. fourth and long right now. You know what I mean? Right. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, <laughs> and, and, with that being said, I, I went in there with a mindset as to, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to just murder this right now. I'm going to be hilarious. Mm -hmm. People are going to pop at every single thing that comes out of my mouth. And I had an arsenal ready. But when I got there, I understood the situation. And the situation was, at this point, you deserve every beatdown that you get. Of course. You walked up on him and his wife was naked. Yeah. You said you were going to stuff her turkey. <laughs> right? You know, I, I don't remember exactly what I said. But nonetheless, of course he was going to kick me in the you-know-what. Right. So the next time I'm on... TV, we, we got to dial it back when I actually get into that situation. Well, there's got to be some kind of sympathy, right? So like, to garner those people's sympathy, I w was playing the, you know, uh, shy, I, I don't want to be here. I got to get out of here. Right. Uh, the second I walked into that situation, I knew it wasn't the right one. And I made a bad decision. And I wanted to get out of there. But at the end of the year, man. But it wasn't because I was scared of Rusev. It was because I didn't want to do something with another man's wife. Right. And so Enzo's a good guy. At the Enzo's end of the day. a good guy at the end of the day. Right. You know, so uh, that was that was the role I was asked to play. And, uh, you know, I haven't gone back and watched it. But, you know, when I did watch it live, I was like, oh, man, like you know, it, was, it was good. And you make it you'd make a good like a carcass on a like SVU type show when you got dragged out of the hotel. <laughs> room, just limp. Well, we talked about uh, Brooklyn and, and SummerSlam and everything. You're back in Brooklyn Can't on wait, the 28th man. of December. It's no better feeling than going home, bro. Yeah. Uh, you know, ironically enough, I haven't been to Madison Square Garden yet, but um, the the feel I get inside that arena at the Barclays Center, yeah, there's none like it in the world. And yeah. for me to come home to a home crowd, big cast, you know, my mom, dad, my family, I got ridiculous amounts of family. I mean, I got the biggest family you've ever seen. Yeah. So I'll have tonight <laughs> in White Plains like 20 aunts and uncles and, <laughs> and, and my mom and dad there. So Brooklyn always provides that same, uh, you know, home base for me that all my family and friends can come out to. And, uh, you know, the last time, last two times we rocked the Barclays Center once in NXT, 
once at SummerSlam. Yeah. Uh, the crowds were just electric, dude. And we got to open that show, uh, SummerSlam, when we came out. Yeah. And give a little ode to the people, you know what I mean? And it's such a pl fun place just to see a, a, a live show, too. Like, this would just be a WWE live show and just getting to see everybody come out. Like, anybody that doesn't have tickets already, I would get them. Yeah. Especially would... being that it's the, it's the holidays and you're off work anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, man. The 28th, I mean, bada boom, those guys in a room are coming to town, dude. Me and Big Cats, brother. <laughs> so, I mean, that should be enough to, you know, put you in the seats, honestly. I mean, I'm sure we got, you know, the New Day probably be there, you know what I mean? Uh I'm, I'm imagining, you know, Sheamus, Cesaro, Kevin Owens, uh, Chris Jericho, you know, Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins. They'll, they'll all be in town, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, I mean, I think the only two people you really need to see and <laughs> doing big guys. Well, that'll, uh, that'll be good, man. Thanks for hanging out, oh, dude. Oh, man, appreciate and you having me, Sam. I look forward to seeing you today. Heck yeah, bub. We'll go out there and kill it. Bada boom, bub. <laughs> Cool, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, dude. Here is Sam Roberts. Enzo Amore, ladies and gentlemen, backstage at Westchester County Center, my favorite building to watch WWE in, just because of the history behind it. That's where I watched so much growing up. I went to my first Raw taping in 1994. I was talking to X-Pac about that last time I saw him, that we all talk about, when we talk about matches that X-Pac has had, especially as the 1-2-3 kid, Anybody that knows history brings up the Raw WWF Championship match between Bret Hart and 1-2-3-Kid just because it was so good. And last time I saw him, I told him, you know, I was at the Westchester County Center when they did a set of tapings in the summer of 94. And he goes, yeah? And I go, yeah. It wasn't the 1-2-3-Kid Bret Hart match, but it was the qualifying match that led to that. And he goes, oh, what was the qualifying match? And I go, I got to sit in the audience in White Plains, New York, as X-Pac took on Nikolai Volkov with the winner getting a shot at the WWF Championship. And he goes, oh, no, not Nikolai. <laughs> he wasn't quite as proud of that match as he was of the Bret Hart match. But I'll never forget being there for it. You know, just because it's 90, I was 11 years old, I guess, 10 maybe. And we're sitting there and we're watching and we didn't get to stay for the dark matches because back then it was like they would tape four weeks of TV, one hour each. So it would take three and a half, four hours. And then they would run dark matches. And I mean, I wish I had stayed for the dark match. My parents made, my mom made me go home. But it was like one, two, three kid and Razor versus Diesel and Sean. It was when the click was really running things. And I wish I had gotten to stay and watch it, but I didn't. I'm not going to lie and say that I did. I watched a bunch of jobber matches. A good amount of jobber matches, but I didn't because that's all Raw was at the time. But I didn't get to see the dark main event because it was late, because I had school the next day, because I was 10 years old, because my mother was being responsible as a mother, but not responsible as the parent of Sam Roberts. It's an important distinction to make. Uh, we were talking about the storytelling that Enzo is doing, and when we talk about storytelling, you got to talk about the type of storytelling that Matt Damon does when uh, he plays Jason Bourne. The good news is he has returned to his iconic role in the movie called Jason Bourne, which is now available on 4K, Ultra HD, and Blu-ray combo pack. Uh, here, Jason Bourne in DTSX technology for the most immersive, lifelike audio experience available at home. It's been 10 years since Jason Bourne walked away from the agency that trained him to become a deadly weapon. When former CIA operative Nikki Parsons 
hacks into the agency's database to uncover evidence about its illegal black ops programs, she discovers new information about Jason Bourne's recruitment that alters his understanding of the past. Oh, it doesn't stop there. You gotta join Matt Damon in the next chapter in Universal Pictures' Bourne franchise, which finds the CIA's lethal former operative drawn out of the shadows. Get Jason Bourne with DTSX Sound at Amazon today. Rated PG-13 may be inappropriate for children under the age of 13. And speaking of inappropriate, uh, I was very positive on the Lana Enzo Rusev Hotel segment. I was positive on my Twitter account. I was positive on the podcast. And a lot of the feedback that I got from uh, you guys and from people on Twitter was uh, critical of it because of the female audience. A lot of people thought that the female audience would not appreciate how scandalous it was. And it's like, do you not know what soap operas are? I have to tell you. I was there when I talked to Enzo. I told him off the air too. My wife was there with me interviewing him. She was doing the video work. Seven-month pregnant woman (laughs) videoing my wrestling interviews for me. That's because I'm a real peach. Uh, But I told him that Jess doesn't – she watches Raw with me. Like I have it on. But she's usually, she's either dozing off or she's got her head in her computer or she's doing something else. Not until these these Enzo segments came on, and maybe it was just because Enzo was naked, did she look up from what she was doing and actually pay attention to what was happening. It wasn't an, it's not an anti-female thing, what's going on with Lana and Rusev and Enzo. It's not anti-female at all. As a matter of fact... Uh, Lana is in full control. She she is a powerful female that is using her feminine wiles to her advantage. You know, I I don't see this being a problem uh, for females whatsoever. And I haven't found any female wrestling fans that have a problem with this. The only people that are bringing up the problem that women might have with it are men speaking for women. I haven't heard any females that have a problem with this. If I'm wrong, you can tweet me, ladies, not men. Uh, that's right, ladies. Tweet primetime Sam Roberts and let me know. But I, I don't, I don't see it as a problem. I see it as soap opera storytelling, and uh, it's fairly gender neutral to me. You know, they have to do things that are gonna make it a soap opera that men relate to, and maybe that's some of the the scantily clad, uh, revealing clothing that Lana was wearing. But it, it doesn't. She wasn't, I don't think she was objectified. She certainly wasn't powerless. She was a part of the whole thing. She was kind of the brains behind the entire operation. So I I don't see why any female would have a problem with that whatsoever. Uh, I do want to say thank you to all of you, to all uh, uh, my friends and family, to everybody uh, who helped me at WWE and outside of WWE because this Sunday... Roadblock is going to be very, very special, not just because the card is awesome, not just because we're going to get to see a Charlotte-Sasha Banks-Iron Man match, but because yours truly, Sam Roberts, is going to be on the panel, on the pre-show panel. That's right. The pre-show to Roadblock will have Renee Young, Booker T, Sam Roberts, and another guest on the panel uh, on WWE Network. And I I couldn't add... You guys know what kind of a fan I am. When I say it's a dream come true, like, it couldn't be more accurate. You know, I can't overstate. It's impossible for me to overstate what a big deal 
this is and how it truly is the boyhood dream with a tear in my eye. It's everything. You know what I mean? I and I and I hope that I do you guys proud. My goal is to go on there uh, on Sunday night and give the pre-show panel the perspective of the fan, which is me, which is us, which is you, which is what we talk about here on the show. So I'm really looking forward. I thought Rosenberg did a great job at TLC. He was really, really good and added uh, some new life into the pre-show panel. So uh, I'm looking forward to doing something a little different, and I'm looking forward to being a voice of the fan this Sunday night starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. And what's great, see, this is one of those, like, you will it to be. You know what I mean? Like you put something out there to the universe, and the universe comes back. You know, I've been – I figured – that if I handle my podcast in a way that I can convince the people who live in the drudges of the internet that I am nothing more than a shill for WWE, well then by God, one day I can become a shill for WWE. If I can convince those in the doldrums of the internet that I am secretly on the payroll of Vince McMahon, then by God, I will find myself actually on the payroll of Vince McMahon. And I am here to tell you that finally, today, for this week, I am a show for WWE and I couldn't be happier about it. I'm kidding, of course, um, but it really is amazing that uh, at least for this show, for one night, I'm going to be able to step in there and, 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 and join the circus. It's something that I've literally wanted to do since before there was a pre-show, um, and like I said, I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm gonna live this thing out so you guys can live vicariously through me. I hope uh, you guys enjoy watching me as much as I enjoy doing it, and I can't wait. I can't wait for Sunday. I'm going down to Pittsburgh on Saturday night, um, and I'm gonna spend pretty much all day Saturday and all day Sunday, hoping that I don't screw up. I have every faith though. That if I do screw up, you guys will be the first to tell me, thank God for social media. All right. So excited about it. But thank you all. Because, you know, if this podcast weren't uh, as as popular or successful as it was, then I don't know that this would be a possibility. So thank you all so much for, for being along for this ride and for, for helping make this thing happen. And, and let's see where this goes. Let's continue to grow this thing because as far as I can see, we're doing things now that I don't think any of us thought would be possible uh, even months ago. At least when I started doing the wrestling podcast, I when I started doing the wrestling podcast, it was literally – I wasn't making money. I wasn't doing anything. It was literally just to have an outlet to talk about wrestling to wrestling fans. Now we're doing things that we kind of never thought possible. So I'm very excited about this. I'm very excited about Sunday. And I'm very excited to see uh, how things keep moving. It's awesome. It's very, very cool. All right, let's get into it. Let's do what we do that brought us to the dance in the first place. You heard the interview. Now let's get in to the state of wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. It's that state of wrestling time. If I had to, I don't know, it's tough. I would love to, maybe I'll start doing it, giving the week to somebody. I feel like, and maybe it's because I watched SmackDown 
more recently before I record the podcast. So I, SmackDown's always fresh in my memory. That's why, you know, a couple weeks ago I started with the Miz rant. It's Half the time it's from Talking Smack because usually I end up watching Talking Smack Wednesday afternoon and recording the podcast right after. That's why as of this recording, uh, I haven't seen Tribute to the Troops. If any, I you know, nothing usually. It's usually a, a very uh, uh, warm, heartwarming show, but not like you know, a lot of wrestling news happens on those shows but if anything you know remarkable happens we'll definitely talk about it next week um aside from the show you know being as great as it is but i would say and before i get into whose week it was i do want to say raw is still and i'm not just saying this because i'm going to be at the pre-show of a raw pay-per-view but raw i think this is like the third or fourth week in a row that Raw has been doing really good shows. And this week's Raw might have been better than SmackDown. For the first time probably since the draft, this week's Raw show, you could definitely argue, could have been a better show than SmackDown. Both were good. And maybe it's because SmackDown has been consistently quite a good show and Raw has been improving so dramatically over the last few weeks. And I try to tell you this from before. The reason that Raw is improving dramatically is because of storylines, is because of the storytelling that's going on. I mean, you know, it's about a couple of things. It's about matches that take place having a reason to take place. Give us a reason. It's not enough in 2016. It wasn't enough in 1996 or 1986 to have a match between just two great athletes that we just wanted to see go at it. It's not enough. There has to be a story behind matches to make you really want to care. I mean, by the end of Monday Night Raw, we cared about the New Day's record uh, record number of days that they've held the title. And it was hammered home, and not in a cheesy way, in a great way, how important it was that the New Day just set a record for the longest tag team championship title run ever. And that's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, a lot of the titles, because of the draft, have kind of a sketchy history now, right? Like, you could look at the women's championship on Raw. The SmackDown Tag Team Championship and the SmackDown Women's Championship have no history whatsoever. So right now, Becky Lynch is the longest-running SmackDown Women's Champion of all time. And uh, uh, Alexa Bliss is the second longest-running SmackDown Women's Champion of all time. But, you know, when you look at the at the Raw Women's Championship, is that something that you date the history back through the Divas title? And does the Divas title, do you date that history back through the Women's Championship? And which Women's Championship? Are you talking about the one that Lay Cool split in half? Does that championship date back to the women's championship that Alundra Blaze threw in the garbage can? You know, that that gets sketchy. The Intercontinental Championship is solid, but the United States Championship is the lineage of that title dating back to WCW and NWA? I think so, but I don't know for sure. You'll have to forgive Lila Garrity and her bell ringing. I don't know for sure. And I would assume that the WWE World Championship that AJ Styles has is the one whose lineage 
dates back to Hulkamania, which dates back to Bob Backlund and Bruno Sammartino and all those title holders. But the Universal title has zero history. The, 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 the NWA Big Gold Championship, that lineage is not represented. So really, you could make an argument for the world title on SmackDown for sure. But the Intercontinental title and the Tag Team Championships on Raw are the two titles that have that rich history behind it. And I think it really drove it home. And, and it did it in a way that it was about the New Day. Right? Like you could have, and they would have before, I think, spent the entire episode of Monday Night Raw looking at past tag teams. Oh, let's look at this demolition match. Let's look at this Hart Foundation match. Let's look at this uh, Hardy Boys match. Let's look at this Dudley Boys match. You know what I mean? And these moments in the history of the tag team championship, and it would have been showing you how important the title was. And that's all well and good. But the way it was done on Monday drove home what a big deal it was that the record was being set but more importantly it drove home what an accomplishment the new day had made it was about the new day and even in that main event they found a way the main event of raw was great because they find a way to incorporate multiple storylines into one match okay the, the triple threat tag team main event on Raw. Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho versus The New Day. You have all wrapped up in one match. The New Day wanting to hold the record. The New Day having beef with Stephanie McMahon. Jericho and Owens having beef with each other and breaking up. Roman Reigns trying to get the title from Kevin Owens. Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns reuniting after all these years. Seth Rollins and Jericho getting ready for a pay-per-view match. Seth Rollins' real beef being with Triple H through Kevin Owens. All these storylines are cycling in the middle of this tag team main event. And that's what's great. The Seth Rollins promo, the Rollins report thing, which, by the way, all I could think about was Fargo. When Kevin Owens came out for their segment and then he left... I just want, I was just yelling at my TV, he's fleeing the interview. He's fleeing the interview. But that, that segment, like what Seth Rollins is getting across now, and you could argue if you're talking about it, you could say, you know, Seth Rollins is taking Chris Jericho too lightly. Seth Rollins needs to concentrate on what's in front of him. And, you know, you'd be right if you're talking about in terms of storyline. But what's being done effectively is you're setting up this long-term story arc. It's almost like this, uh, 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 this, this odyssey, if you will. Seth Rollins is our Odysseus. And we're seeing that he has to go through Chris Jericho in order to get to Kevin Owens. And if he can get through Kevin Owens and get past those three singing chicks on the rock that seem to distract everybody, then, then he can go to the Cyclops known as Triple H who he's going to have to find that rock and throw right in the middle of his eye. You know what I mean? It's this, it's this quest that you can see will probably culminate at WrestleMania. And it's going to be a nice payoff where we're building towards this thing where Roman Reigns may very well win the championship at, um, at, at Roadblock. And that's because we're, we're moving forward into a WWE 
where the future is Seth Rollins versus Triple H, or at least a Raw brand. Seth Rollins versus Triple H, Kevin Owens versus a good guy, Chris Jericho. And I don't know who would be a title contender for Roman Reigns. That's where it gets interesting. I'm not quite sure who steps up to challenge Roman Reigns. I mean, honestly, oh, oh, listen to this. You've got, and this stuff just comes to me as I'm doing this. That's why I have these reactions. I just got like uh, chills. You've got Seth Rollins and Triple H over here. They've got this score to settle. you got Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho over here. They've got this score to settle. And the promos between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho as rivals are going to be 24 karat gold. Then what happens? Roman Reigns, as your world champion, I would say you pull an Ultimate Warrior and you put that United States title, you, you, you vacate it, so you can have some kind of tournament. Maybe Sami Zayn has to get through a bunch of people to try to get that championship. Maybe it's a maybe Rusev and and Sami Zayn are gonna a war over it. I don't know. But you vacate that title because Roman Reigns steps forward as your new Universal Champion. Come the Royal Rumble, who's there waiting to reclaim the title? Boom 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 boom. The demon, Finn Balor, the guy who beat Roman Reigns clean in the middle, baby, in order to get a shot at Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. Finn Balor is not looking at Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins is a good guy. He's not looking at Kevin Owens because Kevin Owens is going to be distracted with Chris Jericho. Finn Balor is looking at Roman Reigns. And he goes, Roman Reigns, I've beaten you before. I'm the man. And at this point... I think you got to look at Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns has, you, you, you realize, the kids even are going to love Finn Balor, right? Like, Finn Balor is going to be super popular. Women love him. Like, Finn Balor has somehow figured out this way to get guys to like him because he looks cool without realizing that, like, all their girlfriends are turned on by him. He's the only guy I've ever seen do that. Like, there's there's always this little... Shawn Michaels always had this little... There was this little resentment towards him because the guys didn't like that their girlfriends had a crush on him. I don't know if their girl if the girlfriends aren't telling the guys that they have crushes on Finn Balor, but all these chicks do. And Finn Balor comes to the ring, and he does this demon thing, and all the women get all excited, and all the guys are like... Hey, babe, you think he's cool, too? And the girl's like, yeah, yeah, we both just think he's cool. (laughs) And they don't say what's going on, but I know what's going on. My wife and I communicate sometimes too much. But at that point, Roman Reigns has got to let the people know. And you you don't have to, it's not a heel turn, quote unquote. It's not this thing where all Roman Reigns is the bad guy we've been looking for. But it becomes this thing where Roman Reigns doesn't give a damn about the fans. And the fans can have Finn Balor because Roman Reigns is going to break that pretty boy's jaw. That's the Roman Reigns we want. Finn Balor needs to play the role of the pretty boy that the fans like. And Roman Reigns needs to be that spoiler who's going to break his jaw. I mean, that's not a bad picture going forward past the Royal Rumble on Raw. 
And SmackDown, on the other hand, I give the week, the entire week of WWE, I give to Luke Harper. He lost in the match. He got eliminated. That's all well and good. But he proved that, that and, and they proved the way they handled him, that the fans believe it. I mean, this guy is a title contender. And, you know, I love Dolph Ziggler, and I hate to say it, but Dolph feels like filler material at the moment. You talk about a guy with, with, with starts and stops. That is Dolph Ziggler in a nutshell on SmackDown. And we've gotten to the point where I think we don't really believe him. You know? We don't really believe that he's going to get the job done. Dolph Ziggler has become the little engine that we thought could, but I guess can't. You need the big steam engine. You know? Like, that's what's happened with the story of Dolph Ziggler as he's moved forward. And it's still great to watch him, and he's still capable of doing these amazing matches. But let's be honest, as good as the Miz and Dolph Ziggler ladder match was at TLC, and it was a very good ladder match, AJ and Dean stole the show. That mat- that night belonged to AJ and Dean's TLC match. So it, it, this does feel like a little bit of, of, of filler, as we wait to see what's actually going to happen at WrestleMania, uh, John Cena's back in two weeks. Um, I don't know if this means he's going to hunt down the, the title for WrestleMania. I don't know if The Undertaker's going to pop back up and hunt the title from from AJ Styles. But there's there's definitely... Yeah, Dolph is, is, is... I don't know. He, he feels like a filler to me. In the meantime, the in-between time. Um, it, it, I think we can already see that James Ellsworth is kind of being pushed to the side more and more. Once he gets it, he better never give him that world title match because once he gets it, it's like you can't put the title on him. It'll just annoy fans. So once once it, it's once it's proven to him beyond the shadow of a doubt that he just can't hang in WWE. I don't think he can be the obnoxious guy that makes poor decisions, so that's probably going to be it for him, I would imagine. Um, but still, I think Luke Harper proved to the world this week that he's, and and a lot of people already knew this, but he really proved it, and he proved that not only can he be a lead main event guy, but he can be a lead main event guy in today's WWE. I... I you kind of have to keep him as a, a villain, probably, just because of the way he looks. I don't see him ever being the sort of uh, babyface champion of the world because he's got a big beard and he wears a wife beater. You know, that's not a, a baby face. A baby face is smooth. That's why they call him that. Babies don't grow beards. They can't yet. They will when they get older. But that's why they call him baby faces because it's smooth. It's non-threatening. You know, it's a hero we can all depend on. Luke Harper is like a, a crazy redneck. So, but still, still, I think it was Luke Harper's week, and uh, I was so, it, it was great. It was so cool to watch him. You know what was really cool to watch? What I thought was 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 so good uh, as far as storytelling on SmackDown goes, because I've always gotten annoyed when they do these interview segments, and you'll have an egotistical bad guy hosting the segment, and then another egotistical bad guy will come on. And the egotistical bad guy guest will talk about how 
he's the best and he can beat anybody, and the egotistical bad guy host will agree with him because they're both bad guys, right? And they want to be on the same team or whatever. But in reality, if we're following these characters, both of those two egotistical bad guys should think that they're the best. And one of them should not be agreeing with the other one when he says he's great. Miz said that AJ was a great champion, but I thought it really was like they've been able to stay so true to that Miz character by having the Miz let AJ Styles know, no, no, you are not the best. I could beat you, I think. I'm pretty sure I could beat you. And it's going to get the audience upset because nobody in the audience wants to believe that The Miz could beat AJ Styles. No matter what The Miz ever does, he'll always be The Miz. He's not going to be the the guy with the top work rates. He's not going to be that guy. He's always going to be obnoxious. He's always going to be The Miz. And that's why when they tried to make him a bad guy a little while ago, it's like it's never, never going to work. But as this guy, it works. And, and I think when you saw that stare down, between Miz and AJ Styles, and they may might not have even known how much it would work, you can't deny that crowd reaction. You have the ability. Even when he was the world champion, even when the Miz was main eventing WrestleMania, there was still something about it that wasn't quite a main event. It was still about The Rock. You know, and, and I give The Miz all the credit in the world, but from a fan perspective, you were watching that main event and it was about The Rock. What I saw on SmackDown this week is this opening for The Miz to be a true main eventer. Right now, I saw this this world where a story between The Miz and AJ Styles could be built to the point that we really and truly care about The Miz and AJ Styles. We really and truly care about this match. And it's it would start to, you know, you have to be delicate about it because you might have to take the inter- intercontinental title off The Miz. You are going to make AJ Styles more of a good guy than a bad guy so that, you know, you, you've invested a lot in making him the champ that runs the camp or whatever he is, and that would have to go away because he's going to become more sympathetic and he's going to get a lot more cheers. But as you're watching that, you're like, oh, man, this is something I could sink my teeth into. And as a matter of fact, and I feel bad for Dolph Ziggler, I think that as you watched SmackDown, there were two matches that you wanted to see. One was Luke Harper versus AJ Styles, and one was AJ Styles versus The Miz. Those were the two matches you wanted to see. And I think Dean, I mean, uh, uh, Dolph and AJ are going to put on a hell of a match. And I think it's an opportunity that Dolph Ziggler is probably really looking forward to and they'll tear the house down. But I don't think you can build a story. You can have an amazing match. I don't know if you can build a story between AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler the way you could build it between AJ and The Miz or even AJ and Luke Harper. Like, that would be a really interesting scenario because Luke Harper would probably leave the Wyatt family. They might even try to make him a good guy. Or he could stay in the Wyatt family and try to bring all the titles home, but then there would be this power struggle because even though Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt are obviously so dominant, 
Luke Harper's the one who's, who's in the world title picture. So who's the leader? Who's the boss here? I think I think there's a lot to get done with a story like that. Um, but it's good to know, really. For me, I'm like, okay, obviously there's some stuff happening on SmackDown, right? Like, you're going to have the return of The Undertaker. You're, you got the return of John Cena in two weeks. You've got Samoa Joe theoretically imminent at any point coming to the main roster. Be awesome if he was on SmackDown. Now you've got Luke Harper as a potential guy to challenge AJ Styles. You've got The Miz as a potential guy to challenge AJ Styles. You've got a whole roster full of people where there are real possibilities. And as soon as you take AJ Styles out of this picture of main event bad guy, well, guess who's right around the corner? Baron Corbin is right around the corner. You've now got uh, uh, you now got Miz. You've got Baron Corbin. You've got Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. You theoretically, I could easily see Dolph Ziggler taking a turn and becoming a bad guy just to refresh things. There's a lot that can get done. So that's the way I look at it. I look at it like we're going to get to see a really cool match between AJ Styles and Dolph Ziggler and then have the realization that there is a lot of story on SmackDown that can be told. And that's why SmackDown feels so fresh. Because not only are you seeing stories that you haven't seen before, but there's all this sort of stuff brewing under the surface that you're like, oh yeah, I could see that happening, I could see that happening, I could see that happening. It doesn't feel like we've seen stuff that we're going to see before, we've seen stuff that we've seen before, and the next thing we're going to see is another thing that we've seen before. There's just too much potential. Now, that said, Raw is starting to move in that direction. Raw was, for a while, not feeling like that. Raw was feeling very much the opposite. Raw was feeling like, yep, seen this before. I know exactly where this is going, and I've seen where this is going before. So you end up not feeling terribly optimistic about it. But that's not what's going on now. Um, you know, I, I think that... that the dynamic between Sami Zayn and Mick Foley is really interesting. I thought the promo was really good. I think that Sami Zayn, regardless, I would assume he'll survive 10 minutes against Braun Strowman, which I, I think is a good way to do it because that way you don't have to beat Braun Strowman, but you've got Sami Zayn who still doesn't come out a loser because he survived the 10 minutes. I still would leave this match if I'm Sami Zayn annoyed at Mick Foley, right? Because if I'm Sami Zayn, I don't really feel like I need to get jerked around so that I can have the proper motivation to succeed. Sami Zayn has succeeded all over the world. Why Mick Foley would have to threaten to trade him and then insult him by comparing him to Eva Marie just so he can get motivated enough when... Sammy had decided he was ready for this weeks ago. Weeks ago. Oh my God, Lila Garrity is squeaking the thing again. I do apologize for her rudeness. Uh, so I'd, I'd still be mad at Mick if I'm Sami Zayn, but we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm surprised to tell you the truth that I think they said that this was a pre-show match. Stop squeaking, Lila. 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 Stop squeaking. I think she heard me. I'm surprised that this is a pre-show match. Oh, my God. She just does it when I'm talking. She hasn't squeaked all day. She hasn't squeaked all day. 
and she has to wait until I'm talking into my iPad and my microphone before she's like, oh, Dad, you know this thing squeaks? Yeah, I know. I remember from last week, which was the last time you squeaked it. I'm surprised it's a pre-show match is what I'm saying, and I think that the reason the card... Oh, wait, no, 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 that's not a pre-show match. The Rusev match is the pre-show match. Okay, that makes a little sense. I guess we're so used to there being matches that don't matter at Raw pay-per-views that it's tough to figure out what the pre-show match should be because really, as much television time has been devoted to Rusev and Enzo and Cass and Lana... The, the Rusev-Big Cass match, I think they said that's the pre-show match. It's a surprise that that would be a pre-show match. Just because the build-up has been strong, but you've got the Iron Man match, you've got the Universal title match, you've got all this other... You've got Seth uh, versus Jericho. So it's a, it's a stacked pay-per-view. It's certainly more stacked than the December pay-per-views usually are. And it's one of the more stacked Raw pay-per-views. I'm still optimistic. I told you how I felt about the uh, Enzo and Rusev storyline. I love that there's some depth to it, and I think they need to continue on with that. Um, I'm I'm interested to see. I guess I, I think this pay-per-view will will lead to a Chris Jericho. Kevin Owens storyline because it's pretty evident that Jericho and Rollins is a one-and-done type thing. It leads me to believe that Roman Reigns will leave with the Universal Championship, which honestly I think is fine. You know, I know that there are a lot of people that don't like Roman Reigns. I went, I'm going to tell you, I went to a house show. As I said, I went to the live event at the Westchester County Center over the weekend and Roman Reigns gets a lot of kids very excited and a lot of ladies very excited. And he does a good job. Um, but as I mentioned, Finn Balor does that too. And I think that Roman Reigns getting the championship is the right move because honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing a Finn Balor-Kevin Owens match down the line. But headlining a pay-per-view whether it's at the Royal Rumble itself, whether it's WrestleMania, can you imagine headlining or or having your universal title match at WrestleMania be Roman Reigns versus Finn Balor? And it's a Finn Balor that's beaten Roman Reigns before. I think he's undefeated on the main roster. So he comes back, and I liked the leading up to SummerSlam, Finn Balor didn't wrestle that much. You know, it's almost, it builds the mystique. It's almost a Hogan thing they're doing, you know, like they used to do with the old, it was like you'd watch the syndicated shows, Superstars and Wrestling Challenge, and you'd only see Hogan wrestle at live events and pay-per-views. Um, it's interesting. It's old school. I'm sure that Balor will wrestle more when he comes back, just to uh, remind people, but I wouldn't be surprised because I don't know. I think... I'd have to look at the pay-per-view calendar, but I'm not sure if there's a raw pay-per-view between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. I know they're bringing back... I believe they're bringing back Elimination Chamber. I think that's what I read on the internet, and I believe that that's a SmackDown pay-per-view. So I don't know if there is a a raw pay-per-view between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. I'll have to look into that for next week. Uh, But 
I could see a, a Roman Reigns Finn Balor WrestleMania Universal Title match. Number one, the the demon entrance in a stadium in Orlando would be amazing. I got to go to the, the WrestleMania that was last in Orlando, WrestleMania 24, and it was great. The Undertaker's entrance was great. The even I remember I, Edge's entrance was really good in the stadium with the with the fireworks shooting up and everything. And now we're eight years later. Technology has improved immensely. The way they look at entrances has improved even more. Um, I could see a real spectacle being made out of that demon entrance. And so you're going to want to give Finn Balor, if if he's back in time, and we heard him on the podcast, that interview is on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsam. If he's back in time, um, I think a, a Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, WrestleMania Universal title match is very compelling. I mean, look what you've got the potential of. You've got Triple H versus Seth Rollins, Finn Balor versus Roman Reigns, Undertaker versus John Cena, Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, or maybe Goldberg versus John Cena, maybe Kevin Owens versus Brock Lesnar. You, you know, I mean, there's a hundred different possibilities, but you've got all these guys. Plus, you've got AJ Styles versus somebody. You know, there's barely any room. The, the WrestleMania has the potential to be super, super, super packed uh, with with really great stuff. And, you know, a, a lot of WrestleManias we haven't gone into optimistically. All the past WrestleManias have been really good. But, like, I guess people did go into 32 pretty optimistically. Somewhat, anyway. But 31 and 30, people did not. People did not. And they ended up being terrific. 30 people turned around when they added Daniel Bryan a little bit because they figured out what was going to happen. 31 people were ready to take a big dump all over Silicon Valley. And that was the WrestleMania that Seth Rollins left with the title, and people still talk about that moment like it was one of the great WrestleMania moments, and quite frankly, it was. So I think that both shows are doing a good job of setting up some depth in storyline that could lead us to a super, super compelling WrestleMania. Um, I want to talk about the... Uh, uh, I think, uh, speaking of storylines, Raw doing a good job with the Cruiserweights right now. I still think that the Purple Ropes and, and treating them like they're their own show is the wrong way to go. I still think you need... And they're doing it a little bit with Alicia Fox. I, I think you need to have... Guys like like uh, uh, Rich Swan, who's my favorite in the division, you need to have him interacting with the main roster guys. And you say main roster, even though the cruiserweights are on the main roster, they don't feel like they're on the main roster. If 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 Rich Swan, what what happens? What if a guy? What if Rusev has a problem with T.J. Perkins? You know, that's how you get people to care about cruiserweights is to create these little engine that could things where, and I'm sorry, that's the second time I've referenced that hack book, but you've got TJ Perkins who's going to try to beat Rusev, and then after that thing is over, TJ Perkins is back on 205 Live, but he's got a new respect about him, you know? What if Samoa Joe comes up to the main roster, and you've got Rich Swan trying to outman him, and then Rich Swan goes back to the Cruiserweight division? That is what is lacking right now. Other than that, you know, I read online that uh, the higher-ups, that the Vince McMahons of the world are paying 
attention to 205 Live in a big way, like they're controlling it, which I think is evident. Um, and I don't think they're dropping the ball on it at all. I think that the uh, inclusion of storylines in with the cruiserweights has been a huge help. I think that the promos have been a huge help. I think that the way uh, uh, that uh, Jack Gallagher came out on Raw to announce that he was going to be interfering because he wanted to do it in a gentlemanly way. Like, you're getting real character development out of the cruiserweights, which was lacking before. So that is all a step in the right direction with these guys. But they still need to get out of the cruiserweight bubble and enter onto Raw. Unless they're not going to be on Raw. If they're only going to exist on 205 Live, which I think is 205 taped now, then fine. Keep them on 205 Live. They don't have to interact. But if they're going to be on Raw, then put them on Raw. Put them as part of the show. When you watch Charlotte and Sasha Banks, the idea that some of the people from the men's roster could be involved in that uh, uh, rivalry is not unheard of. It's not happening right now, but it's not crazy. You don't look at the women's division like it's a separate attraction. You look at the women's division like it's women on the show. You know, that we just don't do intergender stuff yet, but it's not a separate show. It's part of the deal, and that's what I think the cruiserweights are lacking. Uh, I am excited. Look, Sasha and Charlotte, I do think they're moving history a little too quickly. It seems like every pay-per-view they want to make history again. Uh, but that said, I still get excited for every one. And I, like, I think that the, the criticism of their Hell in a Cell match was pretty unfair. I thought it was a really good Hell in a Cell match, and they completely tore each other apart. Um, I don't think anybody criticized the Falls Count Anywhere match. I think they criticized it as they didn't want the title to change so quickly, and they didn't want to have another Charlotte and Sasha match, maybe. But beyond that, I don't have any problem with that match. I thought that was a great Falls Count Anywhere match. And I'm, I, I think that the, the Iron Man match is going to be really cool. I would love an answer to why Sasha Banks... Maybe I'll ask it on the pre-show at the pay-per-view. I would love to find out why Sasha Banks as champion continuously challenges the challenger. Like, the last time she did this was Hell in a Cell. She was the champion. And she challenged Charlotte to a Hell in a Cell match, and she lost, which could have been avoided by not doing that, right? She's the champion. They call the people fighting champions challengers because they're the ones issuing the challenge. So I don't know why Sasha, because I, I think she issued the challenge for this Iron Man match, so I don't know why she did, but I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good match. I think it's going to be a really good pay-per-view. I'm optimistic about it. I think the pre-show is going to be off the hook, mainly because of the panel. You know, I think that the most of the credit will go to who the panelists are, but hopefully the pre-show won't be so over-the-top amazing that you will forget the pay-per-view itself because I think the pay-per-view is going to be really, really good, uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. So, so... I think we covered a lot of stuff. Uh, the house show, the the live event that I went to was so fun. If you haven't seen these live events, that's why we plugged the uh, the Brooklyn live event because they did this fatal four-way tag match to start the show in White Plains. It was New Day versus Enzo and Cass, which I was talking about before with Enzo and his bandages, versus Cesaro and Sheamus. Uh, New Day, Cesaro and Sheamus, Enzo and Cass versus uh, the Good Brothers versus Anderson and Gallows, and that match was so fun. If you think the New Day feel like they're having a good time on television, 
you got to see them at live events. Just just trust me on this. Go to and I'm not shilling, this isn't a paid ad, but go to a live event and watch the new day in the ring when other guys get introduced. It is freaking hilarious. Never mind that microwave beeping. I don't know if you heard that or not, but it is hilarious. You'll love it. And you'll thank me for it. And that's what I want to do. I want to bring amazing lucha things to everybody who listens to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. So thank you for listening again. Thanks to Enzo Amori. Amori. How white am I? Enzo Amori. Thanks to Enzo Amore for being a part of the show again. And uh, uh, don't forget to follow along on Twitter and on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook at NotSam. I'm sure I'll be tweeting stuff from the, the pre-show over the weekend. I just got my travel information in the mail, so I'm still assuming it's really happening. It's one of those things, you know, it's like a dream come true in the absolute most literal sense possible. Like, literally, I would fall asleep and be like, oh, I had this amazing dream that I was on the panel of a WWE pay-per-view pre-show and I was sitting in between next to Renee Young and Booker T. Yeah, that was literally like, oh, that's really happening in real life? It's literally a dream come true. And for me, when these things happen, until they, like, I can never enjoy the process because I have to real quick remind myself to start enjoying it the millisecond before it starts because up until it starts, I assume that I'm just waiting for the rug to get pulled out from under me and it's never going to happen. <laughs> They're like, no, 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 we're not doing that. No, it was an idea. You misunderstood. <laughs> but, but all signs point to yes, okay? I made the announcement. Renee Young tweeted back. I got my travel information. I'm hopeful. I'm going to have fun and I'm going to do it for you. Hopefully I won't disappoint. I don't think I will. I will see you next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Hey, don't forget about that Jason Bourne movie. You know what I'm talking about. Matt Damon returning to his iconic role in Jason Bourne. Now available on 4K, Ultra HD, and Blu-ray. Experience Jason Bourne in DTSX technology for the most immersive, lifelike audio experience available at home. Join Matt Damon for the next chapter in Universal Pictures' Bourne franchise, which finds the CIA's lethal former operative drawn out of the shadows. Get it on 4K, Ultra HD, and Blu-ray with DTSX Sound today. Rated PG-13. Your Xfinity Home Security System can't walk the dog, but it can tell you what he does while you're not around. And it can't stop your kids from sneaking out either. But it can let you choose what real-time security alerts you receive. So you're always in control. No matter what you're doing around the house, Xfinity Home can help with a new way to customize your home security. And it was named the best professionally installed home security system by CNET. Click, call 1-800-XFINITY, or demo in your local Xfinity store today. Xfinity Home. Simple. Easy. Awesome. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.